0: and the clock has started. Between you and me, I didn't think he was going to pull off episode 94, but somehow he managed. So let's give it a go. I'm Graham, your announcer, and this is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. (laughs) Yes, this is 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. My name is Doug Prazak. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. I know you have choices in podcasts. Here's that Joe Rogan character and there's a couple other things you could listen to, but... You chose me for 20 minutes, and I appreciate it. You know, I can to tell you right now, it is about 1,000 degrees here in the recording booth. It's, um, it's the first week in June. It means it's summer, and I live in the high desert of California, so you can do the math. It's 1,000 degrees in here. So pardon me if I sound like I'm sweating, because I am. <laughs> it's just what you wanted to hear, isn't it? Let's start the show the way we usually do, and that is uh, acknowledging some cities, people in some cities. Let's I don't know your names, but just people in these cities who listened to uh, last week's episode, 93. It was all about the carousel horses. By the way, I actually did go to the happiest place on earth, as it's called, uh, yesterday. And I took a look at the carousel, King Arthur's carousel. And yes, all the horses are jumpers and they're all white. So just closing the circle on last week's episode, like you really care, okay? Anyway, this week's cities, let's see, or towns, who I don't know if they're big cities or towns, but uh, Antofagasta, Antofagasta is in Chile. So hello to my Chilean friends. Um, this one is it, it's spelled Nancy. I, I I'm guessing there's another way of pronouncing it besides Nancy, but that's just my American slang on it here. Nancy, France, and uh, Zuttengem or Sotengem, that is uh, in the East Flanders province of. Belgium. So, welcome to you all. And uh, leaving the international scene and coming back to California. Hello once again to Milpitas, California. Now, I have not been to Antofagasta, Nancy, or Zottengem, but I have been to Milpitas a billion times. It's right in the middle of the uh, Silicon Valley. You can't miss it. (laughs) But still, no Iceland. Now, I know the uh, DSTA. And if you don't know what the DSTA is, uh, last week I told you that's uh, Catherine. She's the Director of States and Territory Acquisitions for this show. I know she's working on the case, so we're just going to let her do her thing, and sooner or later, we will have Iceland. All right, that business is done, and now I think it's time to uh, start the real show. You've all been waiting for it, haven't you? (laughs) Now, I had no idea how this topic came to be, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, I opened a bottle of beer, and then after I did that, I looked at the cap. (laughs) so guess what we're going to talk about (laughs) bottle caps yay that's right bottle caps you heard me and guess what i did the research so you don't have to all about bottle caps that you know that thing i popped off of the bottle is called a crown cap did you know that one the crown cap and it has uh, become widely used for all kinds of alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages. If you take a look at the supermarket shelves, you'll see that you know this type of cap not only seals beers but also other beverages, from soft drinks to even water. Before the invention of crown caps, the you know the average life of a soft drink was very was very short. It used to be um, people use cork stoppers. Now, unfortunately the beverages degraded pretty quickly due to either leaking or through the carbon dioxide evaporation. This problem happened during both the transport and the storage of bottles and it existed until the end of the 19th century. <laughs> that is a long time for a problem. Well, enter William Painter. Now, William was born in Ireland in 1838 And at the age of 20, he immigrated to the United States in search of better opportunities. He settled in Baltimore, Maryland and embarked on a life as an inventor. And he actually earned more than 80 patents over the course of his lifetime. Now, he had developed a number of ingenious devices, such as a paper folding machine, a safety ejection seat for passenger trains. (laughs) You know, it's got to be a rough ride when you need an ejection seat when you're riding on a train (laughs) Wow. Well, congratulations to William for, for doing that one. And also, he invented a machine for detecting counterfeit currency. However, none were as actually successful as he had hoped they would be, and he soon came to believe that his best chances at finding fortune would come from creating a disposable object that would sell in very large quantities. Good plan. The result of his years of persistence and stick to came to fruition in 1891 when he devised the crown cap. He was inspired by the increasing popularity of carbonated drinks, which were widely available in drugstores and pubs by the 1880s, but they posed a packaging challenge for those who wanted to take these bubbly beverages home with them. The stoppers used in most glass bottles of the time were typically made of metal, uh, cork, or porcelain. More importantly, they didn't provide a sufficient seal to keep the carbon dioxide that created the drink's bubbles. Or worse, they made contact with the bottle's contents, which would make the drink, uh, let's just say, toxic. (laughs) Well, Painter's design was simple, and he called it crown corks. It used a metal lid lined with a thin cork disc for improving the seal and protecting the drink from the metal. The caps had a corrugated edge in the form of an inverted crown that would be pressed around the rim of the top of the bottle, hence the name crown cork and eventually crown cap. Now, these caps were designed for one-time use, and they were inexpensive, and they were completely leak-proof. Painter filed for a patent in 1890, and received it in 1892. Great, but how do you open those bottles? With your teeth, a screwdriver? Well, in 1894, he received a U.S. patent for the bottle cap lifter, now known as a bottle opener. It actually was the first church key style of a bottle opener. The bottle openers at the time resembled old keys that monks used, And ironically, the device used to open the beer was called a church key. William founded his own manufacturing business called the Bottle Seal Company, and that was located in Baltimore. The name was changed to the Crown Cork and Seal Company upon the near immediate success of Painter's new bottle cap. The company is now known as Crown Holdings, and it's one of the biggest beverage and food packagers in the world. Now, William set out on a campaign to convince bottlers that his cap was the right cap for them to use on their products. This was a challenge at first because bottles would have to be made a very specific way for the crown caps to work, with a special neck tip design for the cap's metal teeth to grip onto when pressed around the bottle. There would also need to be some way for people to press the caps onto the bottles efficiently so that proper force was applied and so that the seal would be created correctly without breaking the bottle. Now, I've already said that Painter was an inventor, so he provided his own solution to the problem. By 1898, he had created a foot-powered crowner device to sell to bottlers and retailers so they could seal the bottles with his caps quickly and easily. I'm telling you, that William, always thinking. Now, this helped to drive acceptance of his bottle caps rather quickly around the world, and by 1906, his company was opening manufacturing plants in nations such as Germany, France, Brazil, and Japan. And now for the sad part, that year, in 1906, Painter died, but he was a wealthy man. In the 1920s, the Crown Core Conceal Company had several branches around the world. The prohibition of that time, however, spared absolutely nobody, and for this reason the company had to refocus on caps for soft drinks and a sort of bid farewell to beer, which had been its core business until that time. Now, in addition, in the 1930s, the company also began experimenting with systems for can sealing. At the end of the prohibition era, the crown cap began again to be used widely for most drinks on the market, much to the delight of all the consumers of the time because, you know, they had those church key bottle openers. <laughs> In the decades that followed, the company continued to grow and prosper, and by the 1930s, it was providing nearly half the world's bottle caps. Painter's 1892 Crown Cork Bottle Cap is little changed from the same bottle caps being used today. The most significant change is that the cork liner was phased out by the 1960s and replaced with aluminum, plastic, or vinyl, or other materials. And here's a sad note. Your podcast host, yours truly, remembers when bottle caps had cork liners. Oh my God, I'm old. Another big change, and this is a big one, people. Pay attention. The number of flanges on the modern bottle cap is now 21 as compared to the 24 from the original patent. You see, apparently German engineers determined that 21 flanges was optimal for sealing and carbonation preservation purposes. Well, the Germans certainly know their beer and they have a reputation for engineering, so who are we to argue? I guess we'll just accept 21 flanges. In 1958, the Crown Cork and Seal Company moved its corporate headquarters to Philadelphia and it now has more than $6.5 billion in annual sales. But there was one thing that William Painter had not thought of when he put the crown caps on the market, their inability to close bottles, which were not completely empty yet. The answer to this problem was given in the second half of the 60s, again here in the United States, with the creation of the screw cap. Its special confirmation made it possible to avoid the use of a bottle opener and to close an unfinished bottle thanks to the special ridge located on the neck of the bottle. You know, yeah, that works great for the 2-liter Coke bottles, but no one ever, anywhere, should drink a beer from a screw on top. You pop off the crown cap just like William Painter imagined it and you finish the beer. End of story. (laughs) So with that... We're gonna take a quick break and we come back. Speaking of beer and maybe caps, I don't know. I'll have some statistics for you. You might find enlightening, so don't go away. This is the land of sky blue waters, land of cool enchantment. Oh, the land of sky blue waters. of Sky Blue Waters to you comes Hams the beer refreshing as the crisp cool land it's brewed in the beer that captures for you the wonderful refreshment of this enchanted Northland Hams from the land of Sky Blue Waters okay it's show your rage time does anybody else besides me remember the Hams uh, commercials Clear Blue Water nobody nobody Once again, I managed to prove just how old I am. (laughs) All righty, let's go ahead and uh, stop the music right here. In an absolute shocking turn of events, I'm going to wrap up the show right now. You see, I just recorded the second half of the show right after the break, and it was so boring, it put me to sleep. I I don't even want to tell you what the topic was because it was so bad. I'm going to have nightmares about how bad it was. I did not want to waste any more of your time. So, we're just going to end the show here. So, what have we learned? Well, we learned that William Painter was an inventor. He invented the crown cap. Well, let me rephrase that. He invented the crown cap with 24 flanges, but apparently the Germans said it should only be 21, so they changed it. And eh, that's about all you need to know. <laughs> And that will do it for this edition of 20, no, 13 and a half minutes. You'll never get back. Enjoy the six and a half minutes and giving back to you. Thank you very much for listening. I will talk to you next time on the much longer 20 minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye. I knew Doug couldn't pull off 20 minutes this week, so I'll finish the show for him. Oh, wait. He's about to cut off my microphone. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at 20MYNGB, uh, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So that's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes. You'll never get back. Bye-bye.